Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, go to patreon.com slash cricket unfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app. Men is here. Our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts. And Manners will be doing long-form interviews with leading cricket personalities. All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want some great extra content, or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your co-host, Andrew Menzel. I'm joined by Jaleesa Apps from Channel 10. Jaleesa, how are you? Um, I'm doing very well. Um, now, you both seemed a little bit too fired up this morning in the group chat, so I hope everyone's <laughs> had their Milo like I suggested. I had my Milo. Yeah. I'm- I was going to have a Milo, but I ended up having three coffees instead, so... <laughs> Paul, that's the opposite of Milo. I know. I love Milo too, but yeah, I'm, Paul, I'm on a coffee. Is, you're going to be too fired up. Go I and know. have Milo. <laughs> and that was the dulcet tones of Paul Dennett there. And yeah, Jaleesa, I'm in a, I'm in a bad mood, I've got to say. Um, this T20 series against the West Indies has really annoyed me. 
Um, we're in lockdown. I was, I was looking forward to some competitive cricket action and then Australia just cough up the f- first three games, uh, lose the first one in record breaking style. And, uh, yeah, I'm annoyed. I mean, um, you know, our T20 World Cup's going to be a disaster. Um, I'm already looking forward to the ashes. I'm just annoyed. Like we, we go, we can't seem to string some wins together in this format of the game. It's loss after loss. You know, we finally got a win today, but we did our best to lose it. Um, yeah, so frustrating. So I guess in today's podcast, um, we're going to talk about that series. Um, well, you haven't had your Milo. No, uh, the Big Bash schedule and the women's Big Bash uh, schedule is out. Um, we've got some funky hundred rules to talk about. That kind of cheered me up. They were actually really good. And then we'll wrap it up with some can't let it go. Um, but I guess, you know, to, I mean, I sent Paul a message earlier this week that said, this sucks, we suck, life sucks, cricket sucks. And that sort of sums up you know, how I was feeling about this series when we lost that third match. Um, I, I, I guess, where do you guys want to start with this series, Paul? Oh, well, I want to say that you're, I think if you're being honest with yourself, you don't genuinely think for sure that Australia's World Cup campaign is going to be a disaster because you just don't know. Australia, uh, yeah. Okay. But, but if you're in our group, you'll be thrilled at the moment. You'll be thinking, I'm queuing up to play the Aussies. It's an easy two points. Nonsense. That is either, that is either stupid or, or you're lying. I'm not lying. I mean, we can't win. We no, just, no, we can't sorry. win in this format. Australia is still. Um, in the considered opinion of the world, the third favourite for the tournament. If you don't think they've got a chance, you should go out there, mortgage your house and have the entire lot laying Australia and then collect the money and then laugh. Because the fact of the matter is we had, uh, a, it's been a very disappointing campaign, no doubt about it. And not to make excuses for that, but to look ahead to the future, you've got to acknowledge that when players like um, Maxwell and Warner and others come back into the side, they'll be a far better side. But had they not gone a bit crazy in game one, they would have won that game. It would be now two all. They could easily go on and win the series. T20 cricket turns on a dime. I could see Australia having a shocking campaign in the World Cup. I could also quite considerably see them going through undefeated and winning the whole thing. It's, uh, it's, too, uh, it's not right to say that the, the campaign is going to be a disaster, and I don't think you deep down actually mean that. Uh, 100% mean it. And, and you bring up that first game. That to me sums up what the way Australian plays, Australia plays T20 cricket. We had the game sewn up. We lost what six for 19 to, to cough up a win that in every other T20 game, the team chasing wins that one. So, um, yeah, I just think that sums up the way we play the game. Jaleesa, tie break. Okay. Well, I actually agree with you, Manners. I don't think we have a chance. Yes. Um, and if I had a house to mortgage, I'd I'd mortgage it. But unfortunately, I unfortunately I'm in the generation of um, we eat too many avocados, and I probably will never own a house. So <laughs> I can't, I can't be mortgaging anything at the moment. But um, I uh, I have to agree with you, Manners. I think there's a few lessons that we can take out of this. First of all. What Paul has been saying for about 18 months now has been correct, that we haven't been prioritising 2020 as much as we should have been. And evident to that was when we were had that series in New Zealand that I, it didn't end up going ahead, I think. And then uh, and at the same time, we had the tests in South Africa. Did both of them not go ahead? I no, mean, the New Zealand ones, where we lost oh, that series. That's why you've forgotten. We got, we got spanked no, sorry, again. That's right, yes. No, it was a, it was South Africa that didn't go ahead, but by that time we couldn't get people into mm. quarantine. It's all coming back to me. But uh, we didn't prioritise that. And 
um, with the World Cup coming up. I, I, I think there's probably um, a little bit of uh, complacency in our thought where we think, well, we're good at cricket, so why aren't we, like, you know, we can just turn up to the World Cup and be good. And I think Paul's probably been right for 18 months that we haven't really been working towards that and that's fine the schedule's pretty jammed packed if we don't want to be good at t20 we don't want to be good at t20 but that's just the reality of it mm. there's a, a couple other things i think to come out of this is i think the, um probably the standard of the big bash has been shown up a little bit um in terms of well australia's best players arguably australia's best players aren't playing in the big bash or if they are they're playing very limit in a very limited capacity and obviously last year we didn't have a lot of international as many international players so I think probably the standard the big bash has suffered a bit and the other uh, other thing that I think to come out of this and maybe this is a bit of a controversial one but I just don't think Langer can be coach of all three formats because I think the problem is is that you need a coach and nothing against Langer it's more just the fact that when we do have competing interests, I think you need a coach um, who only has eyes on the 2020 and can advocate solely for the 2020 and can go, no, 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 I need these players because we've got a World Cup or I need these players. And I think we've got to start thinking about 2020 internationals as a whole different sport, almost like it, it, an entirely, it's an entirely different sport and we we maybe our test players maybe there is no overlap there i suspect sometimes there is but maybe there isn't and mm-hmm. i think we just we need a we need a whole separate coach that's going to not have those competing interests of test cricket as well well i've got a lot to say about those ideas jaleesa i think they're on the right track i think the way we approach T20 cricket on a broad level needs to be thought about. Um, you know, do we want to try and build a T20 team with players that, as you say, aren't in the test squad? So you could build a team and, and they they learn how to play together. They get used to winning. They all know their roles rather than this um, merry-go-round every time there's a T20 game, not sure who's available. Smith's resting. Labashane's not there. Cummins is here. Warner's there. You know, do we want to just make them their own sort of team and they can sort of build from there? Um, I think that's a, a, worth considering. But I guess conversely, uh, we've seen in this series that, Trevor Hone said to all these players on this tour, you've got an opportunity. Well, apart from Mitchell Marsh, they've all fluffed their lines. If you're Labashane, Smith, Warner, Cummins, Maxwell, your stocks are going up watching these guys bumble around in St. Lucia. Um, so they're actually getting better just by sitting on the sideline. So, yeah, if they're going to do that, they have to make a clean break and split the two squads so you have a specialist T20 squad. And there might be some pain early on because you'll be having some young players getting experience, but then you sort of look to that 2022 World Cup in Australia. And the other one is Finch is a concern for me. I think if you if you sort of tracked his trajectory in all forms of cricket over the last three years, he's on a slow decline and maybe we should put him out of his misery before the World Cup. He was good today. Yeah, but was he really? If he got out when he was 26 off 26, he would have fluffed his lines again. Yeah, I tend to agree, Menons. I still think he's um, he's still an international standard player, but I think if I were picking my best seven batters, maybe he's, he's not quite in there and therefore maybe he needs to go. Um, I was very disappointed in his captaincy today when that second last over, they he brought on Riley Meredith and I almost hid behind the couch and it turns out... It, 
the first five balls he conceded 25. I think that Meredith, he's just too fast and too erratic to succeed on these tiny grounds where 60 metres gets you six. So I think he should play no part in Australia's um, World Cup and should not be thought of as a T20 player for the, for the time being. Maybe he's got a future at different at, at first-class level, but not for the moment at T20 cricket. He reminds me too much of Sean Tate. I find it interesting that people keep saying, oh, well, who... Uh, you know, the discussion is, uh, well, who goes when Warner comes back in? Why Why should Warner come back in? Oh, well, he hasn't, we, he's like one of the best T20 players in the world. He, he, he hasn't he, barely played any T20 recently. In the IPL, historically, he's, he's been the leading run scorer, scorer almost every is, year apart from this, this latest what, season. But this is what I think is the problem. We can't keep going, well, historically he was good or – you know, a few years he was good or he has a really good record. You've got to be in form and that's Why the Why are you criticising Warner? He's not even there, Jaleesa. That's he, my he's point. In, he's in Maroubra with his kids that's, in lockdown. He's got nothing to do with us being spanked. That's literally my whole point is that he's not there and that's my point is that, yeah, well, I don't. I think that if, if we are going to try and get a really solid team going, then we need to be playing people that are playing Every all the game. time and yeah. become – a specialist in it. We can't, I don't, nothing against Warner. I think I don't criticize anyone who didn't choose to go because it's a shit time at the moment, but I don't think that we've seen enough 2020 for him really to justify bringing him back in. How well, how in form is he? We don't know. No, he's well, so good. He's got to come back in. Now your absolutely. points around, should we have a separate squad? I don't agree with that, but I think it's a good point. But I think either way on that, that's something that has to be discussed after the world cup. We're this far down the path now that for this World Cup, we've done what we've done. And no, I think... It won't work for this World Cup. So I, I think that if you you have to pick David Warner, he's one of the best players we've ever had, and it would be just inconceivable to not pick him. Well, I've got something else for you both. I want David Warner to be our T20 captain for the World oh Cup. Oh, my God. Based I, on what T20... Okay, I'll tell you, Jaleesa. I'll tell you, Jaleesa. Before the sandpaper fiasco... Before the sandpaper fiasco, David Warner was our T20 captain. We went on a really good run. We almost won every game. We won a tri-series in New Zealand. Warner played out of his skin. Then he went to South Africa and put some sandpaper in his pocket and stuffed the whole thing up. And then oh, he was okay, rubbed so out... Yeah, I would, Cricket Australia should realise they messed that up. Give him the captaincy for the T20 World Cup. Aussies love a redemption story. The bull gets another chance. I agree no, with you. You're right, Menas. We should go all back to 2017 when you're talking about and just pick that squad because they were good. So Exactly. Bring Warner back to the captaincy. Four, why not? Four years later, why wouldn't they still be in form? No, he's just talking about Warner. He's talking about one player. that um, I think that Finch is not the one that I want as um, in the side, and therefore he goes as captain. I'd be quite happy if they brought Warner back in and made him captain. I think they were wrong in banning him for life as a captain. I think it would galvanise the squad. I don't think the captaincy plays as much of a role as others do, but I think that would be um, a pretty good move. I'd love to see that happen. And I think that the reason that these players didn't take their opportunity over there, which is very disappointing, is partially Australia never good when it's low, slow conditions and favouring spinners. And that's why I think we've got to say... In the interests of the national team and the national team alone, all the players who are eligible for the IPL are ordered to go over and play in the IPL. We need that preparation. Oh, yeah, let's burn them out. Let's burn them out for the World Cup. Mate, 
that's not going to burn them out for the World Cup. It's just a few games. You're you're vastly underestimating how much a few games of T Twenty cricket is is going. I would to rather the Aussie team get together and play some warm up games and work out the batting order. I sort of agree with that. Me, thank you. One to manage. Yeah, I, I well, look, I think I sort of agree with you both. If there was more time, I think we should do both, but we just <laughs> don't have an order at the moment. And that's that's the biggest problem. What I think we need to do with the batting order is get some of our more uh, bigger hitting players up higher in the order. Now, I've been banging on about Dan Christian. He's been disappointing in this tournament and he has had some opportunities, but not many. He's only um, got, even if he faced every ball that could have been available to him, he hasn't had a great deal of opportunity. I thought today was a a perfect opportunity when we lost our second wicket and sent Alex Carrier, who is a very fine player, but we had a good start. It was time to press on. That was the time to say, hey, Dan, go out there and smash it rather than giving him, you know, eight balls right near the end. And he did, you know, did half decently. So I, I think we need to get power hitters higher up the order in our, in our, in our T20. And that's to Manners' point about what Finch did today. Um, ultimately, he played a decent innings, but 26 off 26, it's just not good enough. Yeah. All right. Now, I, I want to try and see some positives in this um, sea of disaster. I think, as I mentioned oh, before. I've got the biggest one. Okay, well, I was going to say Mitchell Marsh, three half centuries in four innings um, and man of the match in the fourth game. He's probably um, played himself into the T20 World Cup squad. Jaleesa, do you have one? Josh Hazelwood. Yes, the Hoff. The Hoff. They've already gone. Hang on a second. We should have been playing you this whole time. Now you can have a rest because obviously you are in the team. Did great. uh, Mitchell Marsh as well. Uh, regular listeners to this show will know that uh, probably about 5% of all my contribution has been to criticise Mitchell Marsh, Sean Marsh and Jeff Marsh. Um, and I'm starting to fall in love with Mitchell Marsh. I can't believe I'm saying it. Um, I've bagged him and bagged him and bagged him. And after about oh, 15 years, he's finally starting to pay off. He's, he's looking fantastic. Good on him. First player picked. <laughs> <Not quite>. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I love that it's going to really annoy people too. Yeah, so look, the series is 3-1 at the moment. The final game is being played Saturday morning Australian time. And then it's they're off to Barbados for a three-match 50-over series, which fortunately were a lot better than the Windies in that format. So we might actually get some wins together. Um, I really enjoyed Gale's innings in the third match, 67 off 38. Andre Russell put in a, a powerful performance in the first game, 51 off 28. So... I think the West Indies are are looking good for this T20 World Cup. For me, this is the last hurrah for this generation of West Indian T20 pros. Yeah, Gail was looking a little uh, bit like an old man in the field at times. He didn't want to bend over for too many pulls sometimes. But, um, yeah, it was really good to see him finally get going, especially when he's been pretty average over the past few years. That fielding is like every bowler before the (laughs) mid-90s. They're a really bloody good side, the West Indies. I bagged Russell and I bagged Gale. So that, I did well on that front as well. Um, you know, Russell, Bravo, Hetmeyer, Allen, Simmons, Puran, Gale. Look at the batting. That's, um, and then the bowling, the, the, the leg spin of, of Walsh, Allen with his uh, little um, off spin. They've got some good pace as well. They might well win the tournament. Yeah. Um, so that series... Um is gone for Australia. I do want to make a point because we've spoken about it a lot on this show that the Australian team took a knee before the first match. Um, the both teams did, but it was the first time the Australian men's cricket team had taken a knee before a match. And look, it only took them a year, but they got there. 
yeah, good on them for doing it. Should have done it earlier, but I'm pleased they did it. All right. Now let's move on to the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. And there's a lot of news, a lot of schedule news. I know your listeners love a good schedule update, but the Big Bash has schedule has been announced. And, Paul, do you want to sort of run us through some of the highlights? Yeah, so the uh, tournament's going to go from the 5th of December until the 28th of January. So once again, um, they've been very keen to get it all done before the school holidays end. They also will therefore have it ended before the Australia-New Zealand one-dayers in February. So that will free up potentially... Australia's white ball specialists to to play uh, in the tournament. Although if I have my way, they'll play in the IPL. Then they'll have some rest instead of playing in the Big Bash, just to just to troll menners. There's going to be some very bizarre um, uh, scheduling in the fact that seven days of Test cricket are due to clash with games. So all five days of the Perth Test and three of the days um, of the Adelaide Test match, there's going to be a Big Bash match on at the same time as the test match. Also, on two separate occasions, there's going to be two separate Big Bash games on at the same time. So um, I find that understandable because they're trying to get it in that window. But the the quote that Alistair Dobson, head of the Big Bash, said, it's about making sure that fans can get to the games. It doesn't matter if there's two games going on at once when the fans at the games can still take in that experience. Now, I don't know anything about Dobson. He's been with Cricket Australia for three years. Prior to that, his whole career has been with the AFL. He probably doesn't like cricket. He probably hasn't occurred to him that maybe someone, for instance, Menners and me and Jaleesa, no doubt, want to watch every bloody ball. And therefore, I understand why the the schedule might have to be crushed because of the the pandemic. But don't be glib about it. At least be apologetic and say that now we're going to have to get dual screens or record one and watch the second one or or, or do what we need to. And, And the final thing, that there are going to be, I think, eight Triple headers. So, uh, Menace, if you want to get uh, into marital difficulties, probably I'm the same. But there's going to be eight days where there's going to be a day of the test match followed by a double header of Big Bash. So, what's that about? 12 hours of cricket. So, that'll be glorious, but I think a bit too much. No, never too much. But, like, if, if this West Indies series didn't get me going, this stupid bloody schedule that they've released, Ridiculous. it's really tipped me over the edge. I mean, those dummies there think that people, uh, they can condense it all together and we can't actually watch all the cricket. I mean, there are people like me that want to watch every Big Bash game start to finish and not have to worry about recording it and, and media blackout so you don't have any spoilers. Why didn't they stay the course, make February, early February, the time for the finals? Don't bow to all this pressure to condense the competition. And now you've got a situation where I'm going to have like the test on one screen and the Big Bash on the other. It's cannibalising our our favourite competitions, and it sucks. It absolutely sucks. And yeah. um, I think they've completely uh, played a missed one, this one, and it's got nothing to do with the pandemic. It's got everything to do with trying to condense the tournament, but they've gone the wrong way. It's a complete mess up, and uh, it's annoying. Yeah, I find this completely frustrating because I think it needed to be condensed a little bit because it went a little bit too long last year. But um, not to this extreme and just to have so much cricket on the same day, why on earth would you just compete against your own product? It just makes absolutely no sense. And I'm the same as you. I'd like to watch all of it. 
and I like to watch it without um, feeling like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Watch this or should I watch that or should I? It's completely frustrating and it screams to me that somebody who doesn't want to watch all of it has put this schedule together. I, I can't understand it at all. And I would really like like to know, be a fly on the wall, at what the broadcasters had to do with this too because are they happy about this? Is this a good result? Like it doesn't feel like I it. I actually think there is something from the broadcasters where they like the tournament to be in the summer period because that's when it's traditionally rated very well. But but I, my issue is if, if you're going to play a full home and away 14-game season, commit to it. Commit to it. Play it properly. Don't try and finish it in seven weeks like they're doing here and, and just – build the tournament up like that. But this is too reactionary. I don't think it actually cares about the fans. I actually think it's a a bit of a finger to the fans because um, you actually can't watch all the cricket now. Um, So, yeah, very disappointing. I'm pleased that you've been, both of you, so passionately on my side. I thought you were going to be the other way. I've I've always been going for the the fight for February hashtag. February should be a a cricket month, not a football month. It's the 100%. middle of of summer. I hate all those codes. And it's the (laughs) T... I'm not going that well, It's just more that you miss out on also um, in terms of, like, coverage. Like, football doesn't get going until March. You've still got February there where you could capitalise on getting exactly. really good coverage. Exactly. And the, it's, I'm sure it is the network saying that, yes, we want when school goes back, we want to um, push the most idiotic, rubbish uh, reality TV shows that they have, you know, Beauty and the Geek or whatever it's called, that all that nonsense that they put on television, how dare they have that on and, and not want to have the, the, the cricket on. What I would like to see, is, uh, as I've said before, it can't happen this year because of the pandemic, but let's assume that next season after this, we're back to normality, have them on simultaneously and let the Australian players play in both. It's fine to have uh, a one-day game on the 8th of February and the next day, Melbourne Renegades are playing Perth Scorchers and the Australian players fly to that game and play in that two two days in a row. They normally play five days in a row. Sometimes they play 10 days out of 13. It's fine to chop and change and have the best of both worlds. Yeah, but it, I actually think we need to go with what uh, the Women's Big Bash League is doing. Make a window. Commit to this tournament. Either um, play international cricket, like the tests in February and November, or keep the international cricket cricket where it is and move the big batch to say January, February. But this is just not working. This this schedule is one of the worst I've seen in years. Final thing, because I've, I'm in lockdown, I'm annoyed. I saw a headline on the Daily Telegraph that really annoyed me. Um, very, very annoying headline. Um, it's it, and and the the first line of the article is Sydney is set to gate crash the biggest day on Australia's cricket calendar with a local Big Bash derby between the Sixers and Thunder to be played on Boxing Day night. I mean, whoever wrote this story completely messed it up because there's no way people watching the Boxing Day Ashes Test are going to be oh no the the Sixers and Thunder are playing tonight it's taking away from the Ashes it's the opposite no one's going to yeah. care about this huge derby yeah. because we'll be celebrating Steve Smith's fourth century of the summer and uh, you know if Australia on the way to a four nil Ashes blitz. One hundred percent. It just it completely overshadows what should be a really good game. Let's take one of the most exciting derbies and let's put it where it's completely got no vision about it. Yeah, so what a mistake that was. I'm not going to go to a, a Big Bash game in Sydney 
because I'd have to leave an hour and a half before the end of the Boxing Day test to watch it. Yep. Again, yeah. it's a, just a big F you to the fans. All right. Now, I'm going to leave that behind. Let's move on to a domestic T, well, not a T20 competition, but the 100, which I think actually is getting a lot right. We, we, we should actually look oh. to our English counterparts for some guidance because they've released a whole set of playing conditions, some that have stuck, jumped out to me that we're not going to be calling overs overs anymore. They're going to be called balls. Um, the, and the umpires. Five. Fives. Fives, yeah. So they'll be called, umpires will call five at the end of bowl a set of deliveries and they bowl two sets of five at each end and the umpire like holds up a white card after the fifth delivery to signify that it's a new over or a new set of five. Sorry, um, 100 marketing people. No, it's, going to be, it's only going to be if, um, if you want to bowl two overs, two fives in a row. But I thought it said with two sets of five being bowled from each end before changing. No. This is discussion is just proving how dumb these rules are. Umpires no, will call five at the end of a bowler set of deliveries with two already. sets of five being bowled from each end before changing. A white card will be held up after the first set of five. If either of you take this out of the podcast, I'll be furious. <laughs> she never listens. I, I, no, I don't know whether that's actually written badly or your right manners, but I took it to mean... Um, <laughs> In the case of two sets of five being bowled from each end before changing, a white card will be held up after the first set of five. Because otherwise, why would there be a need to be a white card? And also, this is what they've previously said. They've previously said it will be optional whether you bowl two sets of uh, two fives in a row. Yeah, but I think that's um, if it's the same bowler bowling two in a row. I still, I still think they'll bowl from the same end. Even if they switch bowlers, they still hold the card up. Mm, I'm not mm. sure. Anyway, email them, ask them. Uh, the one I, the, the rule I really like is um, they're not going to worry about whether a batter is crossed anymore. Um, it's just if a you know batter's caught, the next batter's the one on strike. And I actually think that's a really good idea. We waste so much, well, actually not a lot of time, but they do waste a bit of time in certain matches seeing if they'd crossed when the catch was taken. Who cares? This is a much better way. Batter's out, new batter comes in. I like this rule, and it makes me feel exactly how I feel if I found a 20-cent piece on the ground. Very, very, very slightly happy. (laughs) (laughs) The proportion to the happiness to the actual payoff is disproportionate. Paul, you've got some things you don't like. Uh, Fire them out for me. Um, Oh, one thing I do like, firstly, is that they're going to have DRS, and I also like that they're going to have... The most um, exciting part of cricket for Paul. For sure, mate. Eventually, it'll all be DRS with the occasional on-field action. Um, the, <laughs> slow, the slow overrate penalties are going to be live. So rather than being able to make it up at the end, if they decide that after, I don't know how it's going to work, but after a few overs, if you're behind, they're suddenly going to say, guys, you're only allowed to have um, one fewer player outside the circle. So I think that's fantastic. The one that I'm not so happy about is, again, that they're going to have timeouts. They're boring. Get rid of them. And... I'm not all that happy that they're not going to have um, uh, super fives either. They're only going to have super fives in the playoffs. I understand that they want to have the schedule. They've got double headers. They want to keep everything on its time. And I understand men as the glory of one point each. But in a, in a competition that's purely designed to get new fans in, you're missing a real opportunity for um, social media moments and for everyone to get really excited. It's, it's, a, it's a miss on that one. 
I agree, actually. I think it's a huge miss because if you're a fan and you've gone to the blast, you buy a ticket and it's a tie, you sort of walk out feeling a bit hollow. You don't see a result. The whole idea of go- these shorter forms is you go and you see a, a whole match in, in a session, you see a result, and you go home a happy person. So uh, I agree with you now, Paul. Ties I don't think are good. But I like the idea of in test match cricket, if at tea time a, a, a team's only bold. 50 overs, the umpire say, okay, you're going to come out with nine fielders. Good luck. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I thought I was really like when I read these playing conditions, I was like, oh, my God, they've taken what was supposed to be the most simple concept and made it so complicated. Like what have they done? Like even the fact that you two were just wondering about a rule like for a good three minutes makes me go, oh, my God, and you're supposed to get new people into this sport? Like, we've got two people that watch cricket more than they've watched they're anything They're not aiming at us, Jaleesa. They're aiming at football fans. So, like, football but fans don't care if about you this can't stuff. Understand, if you can't read this and understand what's going on, you cannot get people that have never watched cricket to understand what's going on. That, no, no, so, it's not true. The other reason I think which- that they... I think that they completely complicated what was supposed to be a really simple format. The other thing that really annoyed me was, and this is going to really rile up Paul, the shift from the word overs. And no, it is not because I'm a traditionalist. It is nothing to do with that. It's just in terms of a language thing. It, like if you're trying to get new people into cricket, why change terminology? It just makes no sense to me. And then the funny thing was one of the rules is, um, if a team is behind in their over rate, hang on, overs don't exist. You just spent three rules telling us about how overs don't exist and That's now they're the lawyer in Jaleesa coming out. She's and then the fine print. And that they're called fives. And then you go to the end and go, oh, by the way, if a team is uh, is behind <laughs> in their over rate, what's an over? I thought an over didn't exist. Oh, that's right. You're using the word over in that rule because it makes sense. The language makes sense. So why don't we just keep the language of cricket so that when we do get fans transitioning from this to maybe a test match, they know what they're talking about. They're not sitting there going, where's the fives? What's an over? Mm, This is very strange, Jaleesa. You're the young... Um, you know, person that should be up for this concept. Paul and I are old men who should be railing no, against the roles man. have reversed. We're not that old. Hey, um, the, no, I don't think it's that complex. The reason that uh, we got men as and I disagreed over that is because I'm stupid. I misread that. I've read it now. I'm, I'm, I'm completely wrong. And that's, that's on me for being stupid, not on the way that they've written these rules. I think these rules um, are very easy to follow. Uh, I think man, uh, Jaleesa... You found them easier than you're letting on, surely, um, because you've you've already. Nah. Sta- <laughs> Which one did you find hard? When I I got to the end and I didn't know what an over was, I was so confused. I'd been reading about fives. What's this over concept? I don't know what that is. <laughs> and over's easy. I've never just watched w- cricket before. What's an over? over an over is just one point two fives. I'm a big fan of the hundred. Can't wait. Um, I reckon they should change um, the overs in cricket. In proper cricket, call them fives as well. Mm. Go the whole hog. Well, I yeah, did... well, we're going to have to. We won't know what the fucking over is after we watch this. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of T20 cricket to talk about this year because we've got the hundred, which leads into the CP. Is, is that T20 cricket the... though? No. No, but you know what I mean, shortest form, which leads into the IPL, which leads into the T20 World Cup, all on Fox Sports. So what a few months for us. And also, can I just add in? Yes. um, This is just a return to normality. I've just checked from 1889 to 1899. 
it was five ball overs in England. So we're just coming back to our roots. Did we call them fives or overs? I think they probably called them abbreviated passages of play. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now our next cricket headline. Well, the story of Justin Langer's coaching of the Australian cricket team continues on and look really interesting sort of, um, sequence of questions. Andrew Wu, the journalist from the Sydney Morning Herald, who wrote some of those articles with Chris Barrett about Langer's um, coaching and the feedback the players had given. Um, so Andrew Wu jumped on a, a Zoom call with Langer or a whole press conference. And look, I think it's a really um, some interesting audio. So let's listen to the first bit of it and react. Yeah, good night, Justin. Um, just wanted to ask you about... Uh, How uh, nervous was Wu made last week um, was talking about how uh, at the camp and, um, in Queensland um, and how uh, some of the feedback um, towards your coaching had been, um, he said um, he found it quite confronting um, um, and, and that he was quite pleased in the, in the way that you'd taken on board the feedback. I wanted to ask you, um, I mean, did you find it confronting and, and what part of it was, um, was I guess, confronting uh, in that? Well, I found your articles confronting, but it's been, you know, there's been, I've been hearing all sorts of things, you know, the under siege coach, the brutal feedback, the, uh, what else have I heard? The, all this stuff I've heard for the last five months. It's been incredible really, because the only two people who knew of the feedback that I got was myself and Tim Ford. So, you know, it's, there's been, it was so good to see the boys again. It was great to get back with the team. I hadn't seen them since the, the last day of the last test match. And then obviously, as you, you guys well know, there's been all sorts of um, speculation or discussion in the media about the job I do with the Australian cricket team. So we addressed some of those, some of those issues. Um, and it was honestly, I left the camp feeling like Superman. So, man, right. is he going to apologise to Andrew Wu, given he's been vindicated by all the other players coming out and saying, especially Aaron Finch, that it was confronting feedback that, that Langer had to face? He, there, there was smoke where there was there was fire where there was smoke. Definitely not. I'm, I'm not apologising to anyone. Uh, I still think the whole thing's a beat up. I actually don't think there's any story to it. All Langer's saying here is that they spoke about and reviewed last summer. And, of course, he got some feedback. I doubt it was this sort of feedback that came out in the press. I love Justin Langer's silence when he, I thought he went, this was a, yeah, sorry, go on. No, I just love the silence when he said, I found your article confronting and then just went quiet. Like I was just hoping then it'd all kick off. Like I was really hoping we would jump in and there'd be a bit of back and forth, but no. I thought it was really childish, the response. I thought the response seemed like, he, like well, I didn't like what you wrote, like a real kid's response. Well, I mean, I think you kind of got to be a bit above it if you're the Australian coach. I think probably Paul's right. There was fire where there was smoke. Andrew Wu obviously was on to something and that, and it's really annoyed Langer. You can tell it's got so under his skin and really bothered him that he's been perceived like this. And I think he's probably let his emotions get a little bit uh, ahead of himself it's bothered him that much what somebody the the fire is a couple of players having a whinge and then leaking that to the press that's what the story is no no, it's not if they weren't on their whole if they weren't on a whole camp and then you've got aaron fitch and even um cameron green sort of saying well we had to sort of align our values with his and we had to give 
you know, Aaron Finch saying there was really confronting feedback. It's not a few players menace. It's like this, like Aaron Finch is a senior leader of, in, in the group. It's, it's not a couple of disgruntled players. Clearly there was a problem there. And almost, I think Andrew Wood, so it, that whole response has justified his articles. And I thought it was a really childish response, really. I think that I I tend to agree with Jaleesa that um, the Australian captain has said that the issues were confronting for him to deal with. In that one word, that indicates what Wu's been saying. Yeah, but it was a confrontation. Like what would have happened was they would have got to this camp and said, all right, who's got a problem? Stand up. Let's talk about it. So there's a a confrontation there. But I think at the root of it, it's players whinging because they lost. That, that's yeah, my the, opinion. But the way that Langer is characterising it, it would have seemed like what happened at the conference, everyone said, yeah, we're having a great time. Let's go for it. And well, that's, that's why. Let's listen to his next answer because he was asked a bit more on the same topic about the feedback he got at that. Let's have a listen because I think this shows that – let's listen. Uh, like I say, some of the things I was reading was, was, a bit, um, was a bit confusing actually to be honest. And, and it, if I'm completely honest, I, uh, I was really hurt by some of it. Uh, I'm not, well, maybe I'm being a sook, but, you know, I hadn't heard in three years, I hadn't heard from the the chairman, the Cricket Australia board. I hadn't heard from the two CEOs. I hadn't heard from the high performance managers. I hadn't heard from any of my the people I worked with. And I certainly hadn't heard from any of the players, which had been so widely reported, not once as, have the players or any of those people? In fact, it was the um, feedback I've been given for three years have been has been overwhelmingly positive yes. of the role that we've um, that I've been able to play as the coach. But more importantly, where the teams come, and that's what it, that's what it's about. To me, that's very worrying. If you you heard all that feedback for the first time, you didn't know for three years. What kind of relationship have you got going with Three your players? Years, I wouldn't Jaleesa. be. I wouldn't be tired. I wouldn't be sitting there again. I wouldn't be home sitting series. there using that to justify how good you've been. I've been sitting. You would be sitting there going, "Holy hell! How disconnected am I to everybody that I no, had no, no idea that no, there was a problem." No. You're falling for the trap. Falling for the. No, trap. He, he's saying there was a problem though. He's not. He's just said he, for three years he hasn't got any negative feedback, and the reports were confusing he's because I'm not. sure when they got into camp, uh, it wasn't nearly what he was expecting. I bet it was That's a lot milder. Saying. He's not saying it's not what he was expecting. He was. He's in complete denial. So he's gone on a camp where the players have clearly told him, "Hey, there's massive problems here," because they haven't came out to the media and admitted that. So imagine how much of the iceberg is actually massive buried. Problems. Un- how much of the iceberg wrong. is buried under the water? So we're seeing None. the little tip of the iceberg in the media where they're admitting there were problems and they had to be discussed. So there's a whole lot of iceberg under the water, and yet he's saying for three years he had no idea of that. I'd be really worried if I was him. Why wasn't I connected enough to this? T- team to know that there were problems yeah and that is your the way that you characterized it I, before the show i was confused i was saying was was langer literal in all those things saying he hadn't heard anything bad all those years or was he uh, sort of mockingly repeating what had been heard in the press and you sort of indicated it was the latter but looking in the media that's the former those quotes for him is saying he actually didn't receive any of this negative feedback so to get that negative feedback then at the camp was hurtful so that um that's completely vindicates everything that Wu's been saying. Wu probably didn't go hard enough. And for you to be cheering during that that audio, 
Um, you, 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 yes. Like, are you, um, are you paid? Are you listening to the same like audio that we're listening to? I'm listening to the same audio. I'm listening to 100% the same audio. When they got to that camp, there are no major issues apart from oh. the players wanted to have a bit more control over training. And there would have been a, a few players in that squad who would have had a whinge to their managers that got to the press. That's all it was. It's not nearly a tip of the iceberg situation. It's um, a very minor, minor um, part of the story. Andrew Mansell is gunning for a job in Pyongyang as a um, North Korean government spokesman. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> what I did not, I've, look, we're just going to go around in circles, but as I said maybe last week, there is always a push and pull between the players and the coach, and I think we're seeing the players try to pull back a bit. Oh, co- coincidentally, after they lost. And last bit on that is Justin Langer did say on that press conference that he was keen to stay in the role when his contract expires. So um, I think we might see there then that they may split the white and red ball duties. I don't know that I'd be all that keen if I was Cricket Australia and he's just unloaded on them saying that he's heard none of this negative feedback and all of a sudden he hears it. If I was in their position, I'd say, I'm not giving you another extension. Well, I think the, the feedback would have been overwhelmingly positive. Same. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> More denial than he is. The next bit of news, Peter Hanscom has coronavirus and hope he recovers and uh, there's no um, long-term problems for him. Um, all right. The next bit of news, the Women's Big Bash League schedule has been released. It's WBBL7 and great news that now 47 of the 59 games will be televised. That's up from 36 games last season, so 11 more, and every game will be on KO. When you think the first season had 10 televised games, now we're at 47. Uh, Fantastic. Season begins October 14th at North Sydney Oval. They're slated to play at 11 venues across the country, um, and the final being played on November 27th, the evening of um, one of the days play with the Australia v Afghanistan test. I have my doubts that they'll be able to get this schedule away as planned, um, but let's keep our fingers crossed. What do you think of it? I think it's absolutely fantastic that the, the, the number of games on TV echo everything you said, and uh, I can't believe it's already up to season seven. It's gone so quickly, but it's... Um, as I always say, if, 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 if crowds are allowed um, and you get a chance, go out to it because it, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. can care. Well, that was the Cricket Headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcast. And we'll take a break now. And then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. Just want to remind you all a couple of things. Firstly, Cricket Daily is continuing, but it's not being released on this feed. It's a 15-minute show, five days a week with all your cricket news. So if you're a cricket fan, subscribe to Cricket Daily because you're missing out if you're not. And, um, yeah, if you want to find us on social media, um, you can head to Oz Cricket Pod on Twitter, AUS Cricket Pod, um, and send us any messages or questions for the next show. But we'll take a break, then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas. I'm with Paul and Jaleesa, and it's can't let it go time. That little bit of cricket news, you just can't let go through to the keeper. So, Jaleesa, do you want to open up with this one? Yes. Uh, this one's somewhat controversial. I'm not even sure I agree with my own argument here, but I just thought it would be an interesting, <laughs> interesting talking point. Uh, in the first game, the uh, the West Indies in Australia, I 
felt maybe that uh, Puran should not have been out. Basically what happened was there was an LBW out shout, uh, shout from Stark. I think it was Hetmeyer Hep- was at the other end. Mm-hmm. Was it the oh, Hetmeyer was, was batting? Anyway, for the sake of the argument, he was. Um, and so Stark had called from an LBW and uh, Puran was on the non-striker's end. He backed up too far and then... Um, there was basically he was run out um, by uh, Philippi. But what I wanted oh. to say was that Finch had yelled for the LBW, uh, uh, sorry, rent to review for the LBW. I feel like part of me feels that that the play should stop there when when it's when something's being reviewed. I know you're going to get really angry. Menace. But when something is being reviewed, I sort of feel like, well, that that's being reviewed, and whatever happens after that, the play should should stop at that review. So I I don't know. There was just a part of me that thought, is it is maybe we should have a rule change because if it wasn't LBW, if it wasn't LBW, then he then Puran wouldn't be out unless we get last man stands rules happening well, and we have two out. Oh, Jaleesa, I mean, it's frustrating <laughs> because I, I get what you're coming coming from, but it's a simple case of if the ball's dead or not. And the fact is the ball hits the pad, they appeal, given not out, the ball's still alive. They have to finish out the play. So then at the end of that, Finch thinks, well, I'd rather actually see if we can get the batter on strikeout because he's playing better. Let's go to the LBW first. If not, we'll just take the dismissal of the run out. So I think it was fine the way it happened. But I'm wondering, it's fine the way it happened. It's well within the rules. And I think um, Paul end up, did post the rules. And yeah, it's well within the rules. But what I'm wondering is there should there be a rule change so that the ball is dead at the point of where it's being reviewed. What they need to do is actually change it in the other direction because where the problem is, there's no problem here because he gave him not out and so they just played on. But the problem occurs where, let's just say, um, and this is, we looked at this on Twitter as well, but say Australia needs two, four to win, uh, two to win the, the World Cup and it's the last ball. Batsman gets hit, hit on the pad, it scoots off the pad and goes down to fine leg for four. But in the action of that happening, the umpire gives the batsman out LBW. The Australians review it. Um, it gets turned out, overturned because it was missing leg. Then it's still a dead ball and the four leg buys don't count. So I'm saying the other way, what they need to do is, is come up with a solution for, for that issue and just maybe say either mm. you, you play it out and the umpire will not give his LBW decision until um, the ball is dead or some other solution that can fix that. But I, I think that maybe we need a rule change, but not the way you're saying, Jaleesa, but in the opposite direction. Yeah, I'm with you, Paul. And I also think the whole, if a ball is thrown in and hits a bat and deflects off for four, those runs shouldn't count anymore. Um, there's, just, there's just something that feels wrong to me about the, that decision going the other way. So um, if he was out... Well, then Puran's not out. I don't know. There's just something that feels wrong to me about about that. But Your anyway. argument feels wrong to me, Jaleesa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, what's your can't let it go? Okay, so in the schedules just released for the Big Bash and the Test Match, they highlighted the days when there's going to be Ashes Tests and Big Bash on there. But what intrigued me was that they've got the hours of play for the Test Match, 10.30am till 6pm or for uh, other tests where they started at 11, 11 a.m. until 6.30 p.m. They're not even pretending anymore that the final half hour is an extra added on. 
They're just pragmatically saying it's going to happen because it's bloody well going to happen. And this just annoys me that the final session is meant to be two hours, but if something really strange happens and you can't get your overs in during the, the day, we've got that extra half hour to allow them in. It's now, it's now just normal. It's, that's the way it's going to be. What are we going to get to the point where they start saying, let's have an extra half hour and make it a three-hour session? That's, um, not, bl- not blaming Cricket Australia. They're just being pragmatic and reflecting reality. But I think it's a very disappointing moment that we've just given up on overrates and accepted that the final session is going to go for two and a half hours. A long game, a 30-hour game we've now accepted has just become 32 and a half hours. That's ridiculous. Mm. They need to give test cricket to the people running the 100. Just say, you take yep. over. Yeah, five, <laughs> five rates all the way. I actually, like, as much as I hate some of the, the Big Bash schedule, can you imagine how happy I'm going to be? Like, I'm miserable right now, but can you imagine when I've watched a full day's test cricket and then that goes into two more Big Bash games? I mean, it's going to be pure joy for Menas. Menas HQ is going to be going off. And with a bit um, of luck, you can have a New Zealand test in the morning and a South African test in the evening, and you can basically... Just they might find you sixty-seven hours later dead in front of the television. Well, I did that last uh, last summer. There was I know. A Boxing Day into Christmas, but I'm still annoyed that they're not playing Christmas Day cricket. I mean, I actually didn't get that out in the rant, but I'm going to get it out now. Can't let that go because oh, right, let's condense the schedule. Oh, but we won't use Christmas Day because JC was born then, you idiots. Um, no, I can I can get on. Uh, I can get on with not using Christmas Day if they've got um, Christmas Eve and Boxing Day. Now. Nope. Christmas Day triple header. Um, well, 24 divided by three is eight. Menas would be happy if there was eight games from midnight till midnight on Christmas <laughs> Day. I, I'm in theory, I'm in theory in favour of cricket on Christmas Day. But when I'm actually on Christmas Day at four o'clock and when I'm kind of like ready to pass out, I think if the game was on now, I, I just wouldn't be in the mood to watch it. So in practice, I can handle the fact they haven't got it on. I'm actually the opposite. By four o'clock on Christmas, I'm desperate for some cricket. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? Um, all right my can't let it go go the irish uh woke up two days ago the irish had beaten the south africans for the first ever time in a 50 over game i think the irish is everybody's second favorite cricket team uh really good hundred by the skipper andy balburney and uh south africa go down in that series and they actually can't win the series against the Irish and, and their first ever home win against a top eight side. So you can imagine the amount of Guinness that have been knocking back after that win. So well done to the Irish. Love the men in green. <laughs> well, that's it for this edition of cricket unfiltered. You two have a great week in lockdown. Um, Jaleesa, you get to go out for essential work, don't you? Uh, yes, I am my uh, essential worker. Uh, uh, don't know how essential my life really is, but yeah, I am essential worker. So I am really only going because all the um, sporting teams are on Zoom. I'm really only going from my house to be stuck in the house all day, so I definitely appreciate that. I've got something to look forward to tonight. It's, it's bins night, so I'm going to get to put the bins out. So that's going to be the biggest um, activity I've had in about two weeks. Oh, I saw people in lockdown, last lockdown, were dressing up to do that. So I hope you put a suit on and I hope you send us a picture. Yeah, well, I am going to try and chill out between now and the next time we record. Uh, yeah, so look, everyone, thanks for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. I've been joined, joined by Jaleesa Apps, Paul Dennett. I'm Andrew Mensel. It's a weekly show, all the cricket news. Tune in next week for another show. Thank you.
On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.